At Nifty Business, we believe that fleet management should be sustainable. We are experts in helping businesses make the switch to electric fleet. Reliable. We are focused on minimizing your fleet downtime. Flexible. We offer a range of funding options to suit your business. And cost-effective. We continually look for opportunities to reduce the cost of fleet management. If this is what you need from your fleet provider, talk to us today at niftybusiness.ie. Nifty Business, the fleet management specialists. Welcome to Thursday's edition of the Counter Rook, the brand new rugby podcast brought to you by the Irish Times. This podcast is sponsored by Nifty Business, the fleet management specialists. Find out more about their offering on niftybusiness.com. Delighted to say on the eve of the Six Nations, happy Sixmas to uh, Jerry Thornley, who's joining us live from the Stade Velodrome um, in Marseille. I understand that Ireland have just started their captain's run behind Jerry. Jerry, how are things? Good, thanks, Nathan. It's been a nice week um, linking up with the Irish team to start of the week in Quinto de Lago, um, team announcement Wednesday, then transfer, bit of a long haul via Lisbon, three-hour stopover yesterday, last night, and here we are in this magnificent velodrome. It's, it's actually nice to be in Marseille as a change from Paris and being the velodrome as a change from the Stade de France. The only problem is that my, I think the French team might enjoy that change as much as anybody. It's a tough life for you, Jerry. Portugal, Marseille, the heart bleeds sometimes. Yeah, you can always come back in a car from Cork or Limerick or Belfast or Galway around midnight in a dark winter's night and tell me how much fun that is too, you know? There are two sides to it. <laughs> um, talk to us about the new venue, like you said. We, we... Sorry, one moment. Excuse me, wait. Who's that then? Wait. Journalist? Um, wait, journalist Irlandais. Irlandais. Wait, merci. Merci beaucoup. Sorry, carry on. French sounded good. I'm petit I'm petit Right, so talk to us about the new venue. Um, obviously, the Stade de France is out of action. Um, you said France might like the shift to Marseille as well. We... We can see behind you the stadium there. It looks like an absolutely stunning venue. What effect do you think it'll have, if any? Definitely be different. It's a nighttime kickoff. It'll be akin to the World Cup. Stade de France has been rocking in recent times, no doubt, for this French team. The French public and the French rugby team have reconnected. They're adored. The, the shock of losing the quarterfinal was every bit as bad, if not worse, than it was for us back in Ireland. Um, it's kind of the... The subject that everybody brings up in conversation is don't talk about the World Cup. And within 10 minutes, everybody's talking about the World Cup quarterfinal defeat. So it's very similar, Hanover. I think getting out of Paris, though, will be very good for them. It'll be refreshing. The 67,000 atmosphere here will probably be even louder, more raucous, particularly with the nighttime kickoff than even it will be in the Stade de France. And the French have a very good record here. It's like a home from home. They've won, I think they played 14 and won 12 of the 14. They've beaten the All Blacks. South Africa twice, Australia twice, England twice. They've beaten all comers, I think. All Blacks once and Argentina once are the only two teams to have won here. And it's only the second Six Nations game ever played here. So it certainly has a big novelty value. Sounds like uh, when you talk about the World Cup, there's a, there's a lot of shared trauma between the two yes. nations. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, let's, yes. get, let, let's get into it. Obviously, we're just over 24 hours out from kickoff as we record. I was doom scrolling on Twitter the other night and I saw a tweet that said uh, it doesn't feel like six, Sixmas until Jerry Thornley's first predicted team uh, you got the predicted team right on Wednesday uh, you, you had McCarthy in there you had Ringrose uh, missing out through injury and you had you had Nash as the one in the 14 jersey so no surprises your end it sounds like but what did you make of it what, what stands out immediately to you from that selection Joe McCarthy definitely I mean the we always knew it was going to be Jack Crowley 10 he, that, that change was forced it, by Johnny Sexton's retirement, and Crowley was a standout candidate at 10, particularly with Ross Byrne injured. Calvin Nash was more of a natural fit, I think, and more of a like-for-like replacement for Mac Hansen than Jordan Larmer. The bigger one was Joe McCarthy. He just forced his way in 
purely on form. He has been the form lock in the United Rugby Championship, never mind just in, in Ireland. And he had to be accommodated in some way, shape or form. You told me the stats the other day. He leads so many stats in the URC. It's a joke for a lock. Eventually, he probably leads the stats for the lock that give away the most penalties as well. But, you know, that side of his game, it's part of the way he plays. He, he lives in the, he plays in the edge a little bit. He's a he's impact, big impacts on both sides of the ball. He's had a string of huge performances in big games. Um, and I think, although he's not particularly a very good line-out operator in terms of the air, I think he's a very good lifter. Hopefully he will help in that department. But most of all, I just think his freshness, his energy, his enthusiasm will be a real lift for, the, for this, this whole team. Yeah, I'll quickly go through those stats. So he leads, leads all URC second rows for carries, meters gained, defenders beaten, gain log success rate to so the amount of times he's, he's, he's making yards in the carry and, and dominant tackles. So both sides of the ball, attack and defense. Uh, so I think you're right. I think when you look at those numbers, there's absolutely no surprise that he's, uh, he's making his first Six Nations. Also, Nathan, his three starting performances in Europe have been outstanding as well, not least the last one in Welford Road. So it's not just URC, it's in and like Munster Way and Tolman Park on Stephen's Day. It's been three European games as well. A very good away in La Rochelle and very good away in Welford Road. He's ready for this. I mean, it may only be 22, but he's ready. Absolutely. I think that those stats are, he, they were, those are the highest amongst URC locks, but they incorporate both domestic and, and European action, if that makes sense. Uh, I think there's, there's, okay. a, there's one or two French locks who, for example, have a higher have a higher gain like success rate but I don't think there's anybody who is consistently uh, as high up all those categories as he is you mentioned the discipline thing of course the last time he did play in France was La Rochelle gave away I think three penalties in the first 20 minutes and did get a yellow card that was a couple of months ago and like you said he's had a number of big outings since then without necessarily being an issue discipline wise are you are you confident that that side of his game he's, he's, he's learned a little bit from that it's definitely improving, but I mean, he, I think there will be occasions when he'll still give away penalties. As an, he, he does play at the edge a bit. He probably chases a couple of lost calls, a little bit like Kim Prendergast that had too much at times. He's tried to rein it in. But then again, you know, you don't want him to rein in everything completely because it's part of what makes him the player he is. Um, and like I said, I just think that his, his fizz, his energy, his enthusiasm, you know, sometimes when you bring in one good young player, that kind of attitude and make those kind of impact plays on a game, it gives even experienced players a huge lift to see a young lad do that in a team. Him coming into a winning side, a very successful side, a side after all, let's not forget, has won 17 of its last 18 matches and is fairly experienced all around the block. Peter Manny there and Tyke Byrne alongside him, Tyke Furl in front. And it's like it's, 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 it's an ideal circumstance in many ways in which to bring in a young player into a winning, successful, experienced side. There were, there were two other things that really struck me about this selection. I think it was I it was in your copy I read, first of all. This is the first time Farrell has gone with a 6-2 split on the bench in terms yeah. of forward and backs. Is that correct? Yeah. I think it's the first time any Irish coach has ever done it. I don't remember it ever being done before. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I kind of had a feeling it was coming. Um, I think it's partly designed horses for corsets to match the French. Everybody knew they were going to go for a 6-2 split. Tafifuenua is probably one of the best impact replacement in the world. They got Waki off the bench as well. Boudon, the uh, La Rochelle, young La Rochelle flanker who's thought very highly of, very good player. So I think it's matching them to a degree. I think it's also what suits this Irish team best at this moment in time, given the makeup of the squad. Like, the one drawback to Pete. Peter Armani as captain, if there's a drawback to it, and I perfectly understand why he was chosen, and I think it was the right choice. Um, he's a natural fit to take over from Johnny Sexton, was that we might see less and less of Ryan Baird, which would have been tough on Baird given his form has not been that far behind Joe McCarthy's. They both had light World Cup lows. They both come back relatively fresh compared to a lot of those players who played in every single game of the World Cup. 
and their form has gone on to another level since the World Cup. And I think the bench is probably des- designed to incorporate Ryan Baird, really, um, because there had to be a place for Jack Cohn and James Ryan as well. And wouldn't it be something to see all three of them come on at the same time around the 55, 60 minute mark? Absolutely. It's funny you mention uh, Tavi Fenua and the, the French second row. I don't know if you've seen, there's a, there's a bit of a story developing today coming out of France. Tavi Fenua is ill. He's a bit of a doubt for tomorrow. Oh. He's a bit of a doubt for tomorrow. But of course, that just means they can call up uh, Posolo Tuolagi, the, the next Samoan lineage Tuolagi family member who's 120 plus kilos and, and six foot five or six foot six, I think. So he's, he's even, they have an even bigger, it just inexperienced man to bring off the bench if that happens. So uh, that could be some battle, uh, Tuolagi versus McCarthy. The other thing that really struck me is this is the first time since I think 90, it was 99 or 97 that there hasn't been a single Ulster player in the entire match day 23 for Ireland. Um, I think it's only happened on four occasions ever. Statistician Stu Farmer is tweeting this. And I think on all the other occasions, there was an Ulster man playing. He was just not playing for Ulster at the time. So there was an Ulster native. But this is the first time ever, as far as I can tell, not only is there not an Ulster club man in the 23, there isn't even an Ulster native in the 23. I think that's just indicative of, of what's going on in that province this season. Yeah, sadly, they can't really have too many complaints. I mean... Ian Henderson is the unluckiest to miss out, for sure, given he started the World Cup quarterfinal. And in fact, nobody extolled the virtues of Joe McCarthy more eloquently in the World Cup than Ian Henderson. He saw what a beast this young kid was. And now McCarthy's leapfrogged him into the team. And with James Ryan back and having been ruled out of the quarterfinal and on the bench, so Ian Henderson misses out. Apart from him, I mean, Nick Timney has shown great form this season and forced his way back in the squad. But, you know, he can't oust Josh Pantafleer because... Van der Fleer is former World Player of the Year, is playing very well and deserves his place. You look across at some of the young backs playing in Ulster and you wonder, like, a few years ago, if you'd said that in the post-World Cup era with Conway retired and Earls retired and Matt Hansen injured, that Robert Balakoon couldn't force his way into the squad, you'd have gone, what's gone wrong? It just seems remarkable, given the, the speed he has, the natural gifts he has, compared to Calvin Nash or even Jordan Larmer in some ways. That, that he's not in the mix. Um, and James Hume's career hasn't progressed at all either. Certainly Jacob Stockdale's hasn't either, even though he's in the squad. The sad thing from an Ulster point of view is that not only does it reflect their performance this season, they can't really have too many complaints. What, have you got any theories as to what has gone wrong? Because like you said, it seems like it's more, it's more than an issue for just one player. It's more than just one person dropping off a form. There's, there's a wider issue going on. I do think Jared Payne was a big loss. Uh, I spoke to one Ulster player told me that Jared Payne was the best coach he ever worked under when he was the defence coach up there. That if you think about all the young backs coming through, they they, they came under his tutelage. Um, Hume, Balakun, McElroy, so many of them, Michael Larry, and they were all, they're all good defenders and they were taught very well by Jared Payne. I think Jared's been a lot, but I can't really put my finger on it. I, I don't know. They just haven't progressed as they should have done. You're not the first person to say that the pain impressed up there. Um, we'll be back with Jerry Thornley from, from Marseille just after this short break. Nifty Business are the fleet management specialists who believe in sustainable, reliable, flexible and cost-effective fleet management. Find out more at niftybusiness.ie. Still joining us from the Stade Velodrome in Marseille is Irish Times rugby correspondent Jerry Thornley. Now, Jerry, I want to get into a few, two or three areas that are going to decide this game tomorrow night. Um, the first one is fairly obvious, uh, and it's a set piece. France, 
historically have always had an edge at Ireland at, at, at scrum time. We can get onto that in a sec. But the one that I think causes particular concern is is the line out. Um, World Cup France, one of the best teams in the competition, 93% success rate. That was the second highest in the World Cup. Ireland, only 83% in the World Cup, the worst of any tier nation at that competition. Um, and it wasn't much better in the Six Nations last year. They were 86 So they're struggling. They're in and around the 85% mark, whereas France are in the 90s let alone the fact that we think that they probably have a scrum advantage as well. How much of a concern is the set piece going into tomorrow night? The line-out particularly is a bigger concern. They're both concerned, obviously, because Antonio and the Porter have had their battles in the past and there seemed, you know, you think of Wayne Barnes as refereeing in that World Cup quarterfinal and the three penalties against Andrew Porter on only five scrums. And you wonder, is there some, you have to wonder, there's some kind of preconceived ideas about pictures that the Irish scrum is painting, that Andrew Porter is painting, um, yeah, the line-out is the elephant in the room, like a 14th-ranked line-out in the World Cup. You'd hope with Peter Armani there um, and Joe McCarthy acting as a lifter and they've done their homework. We asked Andy Farrell about this. He says nobody could work harder than they do. Um, so he, he thinks they, they've got a world-class operators in there and he thinks it'll be right in the night. We, we shall see. Well, it's a very strange uh, weakness given who the forwards coach is in, in, in Mr. Paul O'Connell. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, and, and the, the line-out has been brilliant in the past. You know what I mean? Um, but... Uh, what can we say? Like the French have a very good defensive line out as well. It's going to be a, an area they're going to clearly go after us, uh, after the Irish team. Whether it has a decisive impact in the match or not, and after all, you make a good point. Ireland did win a Grand Slam last year despite that line out. So, but uh, it was more in spite of the times and certainly it caused damage in the World Cup. So, uh, there's no surprises that France don't hold on to the ball as much as Ireland do. Uh, Ireland have a 55% possession rate generally during games, France is down at 45 but France, that said, when France do carry the ball, they make the most meters for the fewest amount of carries uh, per match. So they're very effective when they carry the ball. So it's a style It's a style clash. It's France's play out of possession versus Ireland's play in possession. Do you think one side will adapt based on the strength of the other side? Or do you think both sides will say, stick to their guns, say this is what we're good at. One wants the ball, one doesn't want the ball. Go at it and see who comes out on top. I fervently believe both will stick to what they're good at. I don't see them changing. Everything about them says carry on the way they're going. Like you think about it, they've lost, each has lost their most influential talismanic figure. Each has installed very experienced captains. Each has retained the core of their side. So I expect them to carry on, play the way they do. And the clash of styles has made for the best two games of the Six Nations in the last two years. It's been the de facto championship decider in round two. And it would be no surprise if it transpires to be the de facto championship decider on opening night, even though that sounds ridiculous. Again, it still looked to me like the best two sides in the competition, I think. And that try that Damien Pennell scored, that was actually France veering off script because the ball went to ground inside their own 22. And, it, and Ramos shipped it on to Pennell and Pennell went for it from his own 22. And really that try is what kept them in the game. I sometimes wonder, are they a little bit too prescriptive for their own good, the French, given that so much of what they do is innately about their own sense of flair and being able to run from deep from their own half and score tries from their own half. They're the best in the world at it, really, still, along with the All Blacks. And as for Ireland, I think, yeah, they, they, they are a possession-based team. I don't see them veering away from that and putting boot to leather all the time. Maybe in the first 10 or 15 minutes, they both sides will, play, will try and play a bit of territory. But even then, when you think about it, Nathan, Slow start and feeling each other out. Those days are gone. Everybody goes for it now from the start. And we might well know, have a good idea who's going to be the winner of this match after 15 minutes. If you think back, Ireland's Grand Slam, the opening match against Wales, that Caelan Doris fifth minute try, you think back to the three-match series in New Zealand, I think Ireland scored the opening try in the opening seven or eight minutes at all three tests. But you think back to the quarter-final, 
and Ireland falling early behind early doors and conceding the first try and then playing catch up for the rest of the game. Teams really go for it now from the kickoff. There's no holding back. Whoever draws first blood has got a great chance of going on all the way to win. So I think while it might be risky enough to play territory in your, in your own half and hit the ball down the opposition half from your own half in the early exchanges at least, ultimately I think Ireland will want to play a possession-based game and more than likely the match will revolve around discipline between the 22s and getting access into the opposition 22 because that generally is becoming the key to most modern games. But I think it's going to be a fascinating cl- clash in styles again and I don't see the two sides veering away from what they're good at. On that, Ireland... Most disciplined team in last year's championship, or just the 44 penalties in five matches, and no cards of any description in last year's tournament. Funny you say that about the 22 entry. Uh, France are the best at scoring when they get into the 22. They have the highest points for 22 entry. But Ireland are the best at defending in their own 22 in last year's championship. Uh, they only conceded what, what, less than one and a half points per 22 entry. So again, there we go. Two sides very good at very different things. One's very good at defending their own line. France are not good at defending their own line if you get into the 22. France are elite at scoring when they get into the 22. But Ireland are also very good at defending in that area. So... The last thing I'll ask you, you mentioned earlier, we spoke a lot on Monday's podcast with Noah McNamara about what to expect from Maxime Lucu in place of Antoine Dupont. One thing we didn't talk a lot about was obviously the other elephant in the room not being there, which you mentioned, which is Mr. Johnny Sexton. Crowley, we know it's him now. We thought it would be him. He's got to step up. Ireland, of course, are getting a new attack coach in, in six months' time. So you would expect that they're not going to change a lot given the change will come in six months when, when Andrew Goodman replaces Mike Cass. Is this a case of Crowley just has to adapt to a system that was built around Sexton and just get through it for six months? Or is this going to be a more of a, a Jack Crowley-based attacking system? Or does he just slot in, do you think? I think he slots in, by and large. That's what, that's the indication Aaron, Andy Farrell has given us in press conferences this week. I think that maybe Gibson Park will have to stand up to the plate more and assume even more responsibility. Maybe take on some more of the kicking game and ease the pressure on Crowley as much as he can. But ultimately, so much of what Ireland do goes through 10. I mean, whether it's as a second receiving 10 when it's behind a pod of three, whether it's generally the 10 that calls the shots. That's what Johnny Sexton has been doing, directing traffic. So it's a big, big role and it's a big ask and it's huge boots to fill and a huge jersey to fill. And it's a huge rugby intellect to fill. And we've got to cut Jack Farley some slack because he's nothing like as ready as... Saxon was when he assumed the mantle from Raj or when Raj was when he assumed the mantle from Humphreys or when Humphreys was when he assumed the mantle from Eric Elwood. Um, This is his first Six Nations start. I think it's only his fourth test start. Even through the naturally ordained pecking order in the previous times at Munster and Ireland with Joey Carby gained so much game time, he's not as ready-made for this role as he might otherwise have been. Um, Ireland haven't got this succession stakes quite as right as they have done in the past. But ultimately, I think... He's very good at taking the ball to the line. He's got better at it. He's got more square on. He used to be a little bit sidewards. Um, He's got very good footwork. And if anything, he's got a slightly better attacking game than Johnny Sexton in terms of his his cross kicks, his kicks passes, his little dinks in behind. So many games this season with a fast, aggressive defence, whether it's against Exeter or Toulon, he's found space. He's found grass, consistently found grass with his kicking game. And I hope 
and I presume he would be true to himself and play because that's what all players are encouraged to do by Andy Farrell. And I presume that, that Jack Crowley will be true to himself as well and, and play with as much innate player as he possibly can because that's that's what he's about. And he's a confident kid. And a bit like Sexton too, he's not shy about defending. You know, he, there was a tackle in that Toulon match in one of their locks underneath the Munster posts, but for which they would have had a 17-0 deficit in the first quarter and might never have come back. Um, and he's, he's willing to get in, uh, get stuck in and make his tackles, contribute to the breakdown. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic for him. I think he's a standout 10 at the moment in the country and he, deser- he deserves this shot. But I do think still a huge ask for him coming up against Jalabert, for example, who has been much more exposed to Test Match Rugby, obviously the starting 10 throughout the World Cup. And containing Jalabert will be a key as well because if the French get their big rumblers m- moving over the gain line, get Dante over the gain line, get Aldred over the gain line and, and, and start generating fast front football, Jalabert is just like, it's like having a winger at 10, you know, and he'll, he'll spot a gap and he He'll be through, and that's when they really start purring. Um, and it's I still think for that reason, Nathan, partly because the experience at 10, the contrasting experience at 10, exposure to test match rugby, but also because they're playing at home, playing an Ireland of what three wins in the last 27 visits to France, all by the margin of exactly two points. Which kind of now, this is an exceptional Irish team, and um, if Crowley clicks, and I think McCarthy's a really good selection. If any Irish team can go over to France and beat France, it's this one. Although they have this Irish team has yet to do that. Lost here two years ago and four years ago. You've semi-preempted my question about predictions. Then it sounds like you're leaning more towards a home victory. I think you have to be realistic. I think if Ireland win this, I agree with Ronald Gar. I think it'd be one of the most incredible win. It would be one of the best wins they've ever had in Six Nations, really, since 2000. When you look at that record, how difficult it is to beat the French on their own turf. It's been difficult for everybody. And it's always been particularly difficult for Ireland. I mean, like when, when the teams were announced, I'll be honest, Nathan, I looked at the two teams and went, OK, Ireland have a better chance here than I realised. I don't think it's a, a great French team. I think Gail Ficou is not in good form. He looks tired, he looks weary. He's played more minutes than anybody else of the two teams this season. Um, he's there out of, partly out of loyalty and because he's the defensive leader for the team. But I think it's a pity Ring Rose isn't playing because I think for all the praise that was rightly heaped upon Bundiaki in the World Cup, Gary Ringrose made seven clean breaks and was, you know, had a few try assists and was very good in that tournament as well. And he is more used to defending at 13 than Robbie Henshaw is. So it's a shame he's not playing in that sense. I think he is a loss, well though Robbie Henshaw's been playing. But I don't think it's exceptionally brilliant French midfield. It's a bit one-paced. Their second row is very interesting. It's certainly grizzled, gnarled, both in their 30s. Like 17 of the, the matchday squad are in their 30s, this French team. Fabien Galte, a bit like Andy Farrell, are treating this tournament with the utmost respect. And they're treating this fixture with the utmost respect. I just fear that a lot of these French players, like Aldred refreshed after his post-World Cup hiatus, Nuku and Penault, and Jalabert, uh, and so many of the forwards as well, and all the Toulouse players, um, okay, admittedly with Dupont as their, as their talisman, I just think they're coming into form as well. And I think realistically, if you held a gun to my head, Nathan, if my life depended on it, I'd have to pick France to win. You've been moving around the velodrome there as we speak. What's next for you? Where are you off to now? Inside to the press conference for Peter Romani's first press conference as Ireland's Six Nations captain, and then um, do a piece on that, do a preview piece close my laptop for 24 hours Nathan and then look forward to a cracking match tomorrow night my thanks to Jerry Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night Jerry cheers Nathan will do my thanks to you all for listening make sure you subscribe to the Counter Rock wherever you get your podcasts our thanks as well to our sponsors Nifty Business that's all we have time for today Um, we will see you all on Monday Nifty 
nifty business are the fleet management specialists who believe in sustainable, reliable, flexible and cost-effective fleet management. Find out more at niftybusiness.ie.